Today is one of those days in which it seems the church is completely disconnected from what people in the world are thinking. If you mentioned February 14, everybody knows it's Valentine's Day, happy Valentine's Day. If you look in the liturgical books or the church books, there's no mention of Valentine's Day at all, not even a hint. Now, if you know the roots of this celebration, there is, there is a St. Valentine, or maybe there's more than one, and uh, there's a martyr St. Valentine, and you could, if you really stretch it, make a connection between that fellow hundreds and hundreds of years ago and what is celebrated today, but it's pretty much disconnected. I'm not going to try to make that connection. What, what is celebrated today is... But even, even in my lifetime, this, this uh, Valentine's Day has shifted its focus. It used to just be friendship or, or, or close friends. Now it's really romance and, and sometimes the distortion of romance, you know, seduction, that sort of thing. So, so the church doesn't make any mention of it. I don't know why, because it does seem like a great opportunity to, to reflect on how the gospel what the gospel teaches us about human love and friendship and romance, but that's not what happens. Maybe the church is waiting for uh, the dust to settle because, as I say, this, this uh, secular observance of Valentine's Day has shifted even in my lifetime. And uh, the church does not submit itself to the whims of the world. The church has something to offer the world. Uh, so since our job as we ponder the word is to apply the word to uh, the circumstances of our own time. Uh, I, I don't know how to do that with these scriptures because there's nothing romantic about these readings. But let me say something about romance or about the aspect of human love that is celebrated today. We should recognize, first of all, that it's a good thing. I mean, it's a good thing there's romance and that people are attracted to each other and find each other precious and special. Love, in that sense, is very good. I remember a little uh, text I received about this. It was a Happy Valentine's Day text. It was attributed to Father Agut, so I don't know if he made this up or where it came from, but ito ang panahon ng nagmamahalan. Mahal na bigas, mahal na gasoline, mahal na onions. So, panahon ng mahal. Well, and then you've seen the jokes, I'm sure, that last year you would give your beloved chocolates and flowers, but this year you give onions and yeah, onions. Because that's real love, if you give someone onions. That means you really love them. But anyway, uh, romance does have its place in human life, of course. Uh, probably none of us would be here <laughs> if it weren't for the fact that our parents were attracted to each other and, and committed themselves in love to each other. The problem is uh, isolating one good thing from the whole array of what is good. And this is often what happens with uh, our human disorders. Most people don't choose something that's deliberately evil because evil is ugly. What, what we usually choose is something that's good, but only a partial good or a temporary good. So you think, for example, of uh, 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 love of country. It's a good example. Uh, love of country is a good thing. In fact, it's right. It's part of the fourth commandment. We should be patriots. 
We should love our country and serve our country and, and even sacrifice for our country for the good of others. Yes. But when people become nationalistic in the unhealthy sense, their love of their country is put above even the moral law. And they'll, they'll say things like, my country right or wrong. Well, well then, <laughs> that's, a, that's a distortion. So that's the sort of thing. I, I, materialism is another good example. Material things are good. We've studied that last week in the accounts from the book of Genesis. When God created things, they were all good. So material things are good. But that doesn't mean they're, they're the most precious of all. No matter how expensive onions are, they will never be as valuable as a human person. And they will certainly never be as valuable as our relationship with God. So materialism is a complete uh, distortion of right order. Well, this is what happens with romance. Romance is certainly good, but it's not the highest good. In fact, as almost everyone knows, if you're over 21 or so, or 23, you know that that experience of being in love and of having that intense, special attraction does not last. And so if it were the highest good, we would constantly be in, in search of that good or longing for what no longer exists. Any lasting marriage, any married people who have, have remained married for more than a year know that there's got to be something more than that, that feeling. Otherwise, there's nothing that the marriage disappears. Now, in our times, we, we are constantly exposed to the glorification of romance, and that's why you can watch countless movies that, that glorify this, uh, this um, special relationship, even if it's adulterous. As if, and and you're, when you watch the movies, you're made to think that it's good that this, these two are finally together, when in fact it's not good, <laughs> because they're not married to each other, They've abandoned their, their spouses and their children and, their, and, and the moral law, and they, they're violating the law of God. And, and you know, the, in, the, in the movies, they're happily ever after, when in fact, no, they've turned their lives into a disaster. So there's, there's lots of movies like that and novels and stories. So it's a, an exaggeration. But it's, it, it is good. So let us be, certainly let us be friends with all and those who are precious to us, we can express our love to them. Yes, buy chocolates and uh, onions for anyone who is really close to you and express love. It's beautiful. Okay, as I say, these readings don't have any romantic elements to them. It, uh, Jesus is quite frustrated with his disciples and, and uh, asks them if they still don't understand what he's doing. They're concerned about bread as if bread is more important than the proclamation of the kingdom. So that's a mess. And even worse, the first reading is, is the, refers to the, the condition of the world in the days of Noah. Nothing romantic about this. The Lord saw how great was man's wickedness on earth and how no desire that his heart conceived was ever anything but evil. The effect of sin, which broke into creation by, the, by Adam and Eve, by the time of Noah, has thoroughly corrupted all things. And that is not God's plan. That was never God's plan. He, and he, he does not leave it like that. So let's reflect a little bit on the story of the flood. 
it, it, it's a little unfortunate that in our reading, we don't get the whole story. We just get a few excerpts from chapter 6 and chapter 7 of Genesis. Uh, if you want to really ponder it in its richness, you read the whole, those uh, two or three chapters about Noah and the flood. But we know the basic story. Noah had to build an ark. Well, God told Noah to build an ark and then to bring in his family, his three sons and their wives, his, his own wife, and then the, all the pairs of animals, seven pairs of the clean animals and one pair of the unclean animals, birds, everybody, along with enough food and you know, make a whole, a whole uh, picnic out of it. They're going to stay in that ark for a long time. So that's the account. And then God says, you're the ones that I have found worthy and everybody else is going to be wiped out. It's often misinterpreted as the wrath of God or the, the God's uh, admitting that he made a mistake and he's going to start all over. No, God's plan was always good and he wants his creation to be good. He wants his, his, uh, his creation, especially the human family, to be holy and then they've gotten to the stage where they need a great purification. If he wanted to wipe everybody out, he could certainly have done so. He didn't do that. He saved eight people. He didn't even wipe out all the animals and all the birds. He saved them. What he wiped out was evil. And this is, not, a lot of people say that this is based on flood accounts from different uh, Middle Eastern cultures, and actually many cultures have flood stories. I suppose there are some here because lots of floods in the Philippines, but I don't really know if there's any, uh, you know, stories about floods at the origins of the, of the, of the civilization. But a lot, of, a lot of cultures have flood stories. But this story is not just a flood story, and it's not an angry God story, and it's not a, it's not a, um, an account of the origin of everything type story. It's a washing story. It's a purification story. It's a new beginning story. That's how we should understand it. That's why the church has always recognized in the story of Noah and the flood and the ark, the story of the church and the sacrament of baptism. By baptism, we are brought into the ark of the church. We are made clean. Whatever is unclean in us by our nature, by our birth by original sin is washed away and we have a new beginning a new creation and that's that's a, a pure gift of god we don't earn it with nothing we can do about it god just decides okay i'm going to make you clean now that's what they did with noah noah didn't ask for a flood and no one asked for a flood no one asked for an ark god did the whole thing noah cooperated so this is a, a way of understanding it god has no, I wouldn't say no tolerance, but he does not love what is evil because that was not part of his plan. He'll tolerate it until the point when he can undo it or wash it away or destroy it. But he, he has an unending love for every human person. If you want to talk about love on Valentine's Day, let's talk about the love of God for every human person. You think, you think that lovers love each other with great intensity and say that they'll love the, each other till they die. Well, that's, that's just a, a, a fragment of the love of God. God's love is total, unchanging, everlasting, merciful. He loves us even when we offend him. He, he loves us unto death. Greater love 
no man has than to lay down one's life for one's friends. So the greatest love is not chocolates or onions or, or any other gift or any other emotion. The greatest love is the gift of self unto death. And that's the love that God shows us. So God is not against us. Because he loves us, he's not afraid to correct us. Now, this is what we see in the gospel. Does he love his apostles? Of course he does. He's giving them a personal training course. And as they're riding along in the boat, he starts to teach them about the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod, which is not love. It's corruption. It's hidden corruption. That's the image of leaven here or yeast. Uh, it's it's what's going on inside that's distorting uh, from within. And it's not noticeable on the surface, at least at first. So he's warning them against hypocrisy. He's warning them against this, uh, this uh, duplicity. They don't get it. They think he's talking about bread. So he says, okay, <laughs> you want to talk about bread? Let's talk about bread. How much bread do you, have we had? And he talks about these two miraculous multiplications of bread. And, and at the end, he says, well, you know, how can you be, how can you be worried about bread? <laughs> bread is not, a, is not difficult to work with. What's difficult to work with is hypocrisy, inner corruption, hard-heartedness. This is, the, this is the sort of thing that has to be washed away, rejected, repented of. So it's an instruction with a little sharp edge to it. He acts as if he's just so frustrated with them. <laughs> you still don't get it. You don't understand what I'm talking about. Well, that's a way of getting these apostles moving, alerting them to the fact that they're still behind the grave. They don't know yet what he's teaching. But that's love. Love is not always comfortable. It's not always uh, you know, soft and squishy. Uh, and, and, and anyone who knows love knows that sometimes love is... Hard. You can't build relationships on, on sand. You have to build on solid rock. And rock is sometimes hard. It's always hard, but you can have a cushion. If you're sitting on a hard pew, you can bring a cushion. <laughs> but it's still a hard pew. You're not going to change the nature of what's hard. You just soften the, the impact a little bit. So here's Jesus with love, teaching, correcting the apostles. Here's God in the first reading, with love, purifying his creation so that it can be holy. And God, on this day, Valentine's Day, February 14th, is addressing us with love. Whatever happens today, whatever God allows to happen today, even if it might be disturbing to us or beautiful to us, is God loving us, purifying us, correcting us, teaching us, revealing his goodness to us, whatever he does, God's love is unfailing. God's love is everlasting. God's love is the foundation of everything that is.